seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 217 of Color Magic, a magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 217 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen, in the shotgun seat. How's it going, dude? Good. I've been bitten by a radioactive spider. I got all the powers now. I've been, been uh, wall crawling and web slinging and doing all that stuff. Nice. I see you're making good use of your time. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, I think we all knew Spider-Man 2 was going to be incredible. They have yet to put out a game in that series that's been bad. And yeah, this one just... And Miles Morales is just... That character has been such a win for Marvel since day one. And this is just more of that. And, and then he also has benefited from... His movies have been amazing. His video games have been amazing. And I don't know. I'm sure there was a concerted effort to do that, but then they always, you know, you don't want a bad Captain America game for your movie, but then it happens. You don't want a bad Incredible Hulk game, but then it happens. So whatever his Miles Morales has been living the charmed life, everything he has touched has turned to gold. You know, though, I, I will say this, though, for Miles Morales. Like, there have been some missteps in actual paper comics. But yeah. they seem to have worked out a lot of that before he got to be the big time. Yeah. And we at least already went, hey, we already know everything that doesn't work. Yeah. Let's do this that we know does work and just do it to the 10th degree, right? And it's worked out. So Because every major you know, character at this point has had some story. It's just part of being a major character. It's like for every, you know, death and return of Superman, there's been uh, Superman red, Superman blue. What the F are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yep. For real. That, that's totally true. Man, this week, we have a lot to... We're going to be all over the board here. There's a lot of just product news. There's community news. There's... Man, you name it. There's a lot this week. But before we get into any of that, need to tell you to check out our sponsor over at CoolStuffInc.com. Use code DRAGON. They'll save you 5%. And they're good people. And now's a great time. They've got a bunch of sales. You can get some stuff for the year. Maybe you want to buy some gifts. You want to get something for yourself. Either way, you'll get to save money. So go use code DRAGON over there. And remember, Cool Stuff Inc. always has cool stuff in stock. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash color of magic and get a shout out just like Delaney Manders. So thank you so much, dude, for being one of our patrons. And you can always go to colorofmtg.com slash shop and get you a few goodies. But uh, let's get into the soapbox here because we're going to have a few things to talk about. And this one, this one bugs me because I, I got, I got an idea that I want to do something really good for the holidays, right? A lot of people who run their own businesses, little entrepreneurships, aren't great about promoting themselves. Some people still feel like they have to be humble while you're running a business. Like, and I tell people all the time, if you're running a business, you got to drop some of the humbleness because you got to let people know who you are. You got to let them know you have stuff, right? But I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to do some shopping instead of just buying something on Amazon or just going to some website, let me try to support people in my circles and my different Facebook groups, whatever, first. So I went to all my socials and just put a post up that said, hey, do any of you have online shops or anywheres that you're selling? I'm doing some last minute gifts. Let's see what you got. The number of people that posted stuff 
that said like, oh, here's my site, but I don't have any of my items updated or I don't have anything in my store or, you know, you can go to my Instagram and see my latest pictures. And if you want something, then let me know. And then we, we can make a thing. And it's just like, y'all, it's Christmas. People are ready to spend money. Like, and I, and part of it was a two pronged attack, right? I also knew by making these posts, they would get advertising because people would be looking and go like, oh, this shop seems neat or whatever. So they wouldn't even have to make a post to say they have a shop. They're just in this thread where other people know I'm looking and people will be looking for places to buy things. And you don't have anything for people to buy. Like, I don't like, seriously, even having done retail previously, you start prepping in like September, October for December. Like, you know, that's coming, you know, from Black Friday till January 1st, because people come in with grandma money from Christmas and still want to spend afterwards. The dancing Santa starts showing up, what, in August? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is a thing like, bruh, I'm trying to help y'all make money. Like, and and don't get me wrong, like, I'm not going to say I'm too important, but like this part of your particular, I am very busy. You know, so the thing, everybody is. So you know, you, you're saying it out loud. A lot of people are just going to move on and order it from Amazon. You're trying to help out. That's fair. But like, it's tough because you're asking people to now have to take time to go through like, you know, your Instagram or whatever, or your website and like, hey, call for a custom order or whatever. So now they've got to either email you or call you and then they got to wait for a response And then there's probably going to be some back and forth in emails or conversation about colors and size and blah, 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 blah. And then you may or may not be able to have it. And then there's going to be the panic of, are they going to get it in time for Christmas? And it's just uh, like knowing so many people have great stuff and have the ability to make it. They're not going to make money just makes me so sad for them for just a lack of planning. And dude, it was a lot of people. And I, I don't. I was like, how? How are all of you like this? <laughs> like, I was. Now there was a couple people. Get credit where it's due. Like, one of my friend's moms. Like, boo, dude. She had her stuff together on her website. Like, it was pictures and details and like a fancy shopping cart on the site. Whatever. Like, ready to go. Like, an- another friend of mine. She had her stuff up. If you want to get stuff for hair, nails, makeup, you, you know, uh, skin creams, whatever. Like all the different colors, Photoshop stuff like you. So some people had their stuff together. So I'm not gonna say it was everybody, but it did surprise me just how bad so many people were. And it sucks because I know some of those people could use the money and this would have been the time for them to get paid. And it's just sad that they're not. And I'm just like, I don't know, like, and it's too late to even help them, right? You can't, like, I can just help them for next year, but yeah. you've missed the money this year. Like, there's, you're not going to make enough things and get them on the site now ready to go or have them ready to ship in, what, two weeks and right. still, get them to, still get them to people on time. Because, you know, once you get to past Thanksgiving, shipping slows down another two or yep. three days or whatever. So it's just tough. It's tough, man. Just let that be a, be a word to the wise. Like, if y'all get into business for yourselves or you're trying to help somebody sell stuff, and you know you have a busy season. Because not everybody's busy season's in December. Some For some people, it's July or January or whatever. Yeah. But whatever it is, when you know your busy season coming, you should be prepping 60 to 90 days ahead of time to make sure you don't miss a sale. And you can spend your time during that season promoting it, giving away coupons or discounts or responding to emails or whatever you got to do to maximize your money. But all right, that's it. 
I think you're up. All right. By probably around the time you're seeing this, the Game Awards will either be getting ready to happen or, you know, it'll be in the process of uh, giving away awards. I just want to say again, for anybody that hadn't, hadn't had a chance to check or notice, this has been one of the, if not the best year for video games ever. I don't care. Whatever genre of game you like to play, go check it out. There have been probably some just incredible, ga- multiple incredible games released this year. Uh, you know, we do this for a living and still every week we're like, I didn't know that was, I didn't know that came out or I didn't know it was great. Like, for example, the, the last UFC game is apparently really good. I think God made me want to say uh, either an 8 or a 9 out of 10 from IGN. I mean, I try to follow fighting games and sports-themed games, and it just, that would slip through the, the crack because there are so many incredible games coming out this year. So now at some point, I got to try to go play UFC and, and learn how to tap people out and do all that. We are talking about before the show. WWE, that's one that comes out almost every year. This year was... One of the highest reviewed games. I think it's the highest reviewed WWE game in 20 some odd years. And the, the, the uh, John Cena career showcase thing is incredible because usually, you know, the, these modes are about, hey, look at all these matches I won. No, this year it's about all the matches that John Cena lost. You know, you're playing, you're playing RVD when he beat John Cena in the ECW. You know, everybody's like, if John Cena wins, we riot. Those, Cena is almost never presented that way, where we're going to show all the times John Cena lost. It's, this has been a I, I've said phenomenal before, year. When we've talked about it, like, and this was before we got to, you know, even September. Right. You know, we still had three, four months left. If we had stopped at March, this would have been. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about March, but for sure around like midsummer, maybe August. Like, Because I think Legend of Zelda came out in March, right? Yeah, I want to say it was yeah. March. For sure. But I but I was talking about that. Like this year, even if you just can you can go total sales, total dollars, hours played, hours stream. Hell, even Baldur's Gate just had an update where they put some stuff in. They were saying like some hundreds of thousands of people had already completed certain yeah. things. Like there's like some big old number have already put in over like five hundred hours into the game. Like it's crazy the numbers that some of these new games are running. And you know, we're talking, you know, like you said, Zelda. You've got the Harry Potter thing. You had Baldur's Gate. You had Diablo. And again, how long have people been waiting for any kind of Harry Potter game that is remotely playable? This is, I think, the but, first but even, good game in the history of the franchise. But see, even beyond new releases, you had old releases get updates that changed the f- focus of the franchise, the whole opinion, mm-hmm. right? When you're talking about cyberpunk, people were all over the place on that and a lot of negative, but all yeah. I've heard since their recent updates is everybody's all on board and like, Oh, this put them back on the map and this is the greatest thing. So yeah, it's, it's hard. I, there's one or two years I would at least entertain s- some argument of, but I'm willing to put 2023 at the top. I think, I, so. I, I think at this point you you really have to consider it. And if you're talking about just saying, I will maybe March and stretch it by September. Like, yeah, we had, we had enough good games where by September we were beating the, the average year on just amount of incredible games. IGN gave out, I want to say four, 10 out of 10 this year. That's unheard of. You're lucky if you see one 10 out of 10 in a year, and it's usually whatever Zelda game dropped. If that happens and we don't get one every year, cause you can't make, 
10 out of 10 games every year. It's just pretty much not, it takes too long to make a good video game. But yeah, I think they had four 10 out of 10s this year. It's, I would be willing to go back and do the math adjusted for inflation, and I would bet this year had way more top sellers. And and you gotta think about how, how much DLC we have that we didn't have back, you know, let's say in two thousand five yeah. or nineteen ninety-eight. But even thinking about games like Diablo by itself is basically a billion dollar game this year. Right. You know, like Baldur's Gate might be headed that way with the amount of players yeah. and stuff they're getting. You know, it's set well, they were already several hundred million in, you know, just even after the first two months. So yeah, these numbers are just insane for this year. And of course, if if it's any kind of sports game or any kind of game with a battle pass, and let's say the majority of multiplayer games now have some kind of battle pass, so yeah, just all the money. It's it's you might not like DLC, but it's and battle passes, but they're not going anywhere, and they're printing tons of money. Well, they're also printing tons of money by having them, so they can't get rid of them. Exactly. All right. Let's hop into what did we learn, because there's a couple of interesting things here that might actually surprise some people today. This is going to be a good one. All right. Uh, Brooke Hart Jones is a uh, uh, lady that lives here in Dallas. She's a proud alumni of uh, BCU or HB, HBCU. And for anybody that doesn't know, it's a historically black college or university. And she wanted to buy an HBCU themed doll for another alum. And couldn't believe that that wasn't a thing that was readily available. So it turned out she ended up starting her own company to create HBCU-themed dolls. And uh, it became so successful that now her dolls are in Walmart, Sam's, Target, Amazon. I mean, she became the change she wanted to see in the world. And it's just fantastic. I actually saw it on the local news because, of course, it's, again, Dallas-related. And uh, these dolls are are so cute. They have different skin tones, different hair textures. And I mean, they also have different interests. Like Autumn, for example, they have, you know, different, like like Barbies. There are different versions. And Autumn is a majorette and a business major. Nicole is pre-med and homecoming queen. Because that's one of the reasons Barbie has been so successful is because representation matters and you know look at all the barbie has been the president <laughs> barbie's been to space you know these and this just puts the idea in, in little girls heads of the hey yeah i can be anything i want to be and it is so and we've talked about how you know especially as little black kids sometimes we don't we don't get that from our media from our products from our dolls you probably seen the experiment where they would give black children a white doll and a black doll and ask them which one is prettier and so many times the black children would say the white doll was prettier they had no idea why they felt that way it's but just that's how media and years of playing with dolls had conditioned them that the white doll is prettier the white doll is smarter so yeah this you i can't what? tell you how much is i i think just as a whole, it's an underserved community, you know, yeah. because I was, I think off the air, I told you, you know, on Shark Tank, if it wasn't last season, it was the season before, but they had a woman come on and literally built a multi-million dollar business just marketing or just creating more paraphernalia, clothing, whatever for HBCUs. 
Yeah. Because you're just like, hey, I see all these cool like sweaters, hats, you know, jeans, whatever, marketed to all the, you know, the traditional, the Notre Dames and yeah. UT and all this. And she's like, well, we kind of get just basic stuff for HBCUs. So she literally is like, she started out, got like a handful of universities, made stuff for like five of them. Then those went well. So then she picked up another three or four. And then before she noticed, she has like three quarters of all the HBCUs selling all of her stuff. And now starting to try to get into other universities. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's a whole community that people are just ignoring. Exactly. Because uh, it just, if you've never been to like a, a Bayou Classic or really any kind of, you know, any kind of black football game, black college event, it's a whole different experience. It's Hell, just... I, w- I would say if you're looking to run events or wanting to do some cool video game stuff or wanting to diversify your tech companies or whatever, that's probably an easy way to get your foot in the door because yeah. they're going to be wanting to work with you. They're going to want to be running those events because right now people don't think about those. We think about the really big ones you see on TV all the time. Yeah. Like that's a whole market opportunity if anybody wants to get in there. I sure. was uh, I was like like Brooke amazed that they didn't already have somebody making HBCU dolls. But again, kudos to her, credit to her for first look looking for one of those to buy and then realizing there weren't any. That's uh, we talked about this so many times in business. A great business is started by somebody who went out to purchase a thing, couldn't find it. And then realize nobody was making it. Hey, Mark Cuban just sold high-end trash bags door to door. I yeah. mean, that's it to, to make his first bit of money. Like uh, the you know you know how huge the Fast and the Furious uh, franchise is. It was a story I did back at Today Newspapers. God, probably 10, 15 years ago now. The guy that makes those little zip zaps, uh, little toy cars. Nobody. He, he just figured like some. I know somebody's already got this contract. Let me just check. He called Fast and the Furious. Nobody had asked them about making any toy cars. <laughs> he was flabbergasted. It's like, well, hey, well, yeah, I got a company. Just been, those have just been Hot Wheels all day. Right. Like, I got a company that does this because he asked first. He got exclusive license to make Fast and the Furious Zip Zaps, and I'm sure made insane oh, amounts of money off yeah, of that. He probably made three, four million off that. And now, yeah, they are everywhere. I think there's Hot Wheels, but just nobody else had thought to ask them. So I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Well, that segues perfectly into my thing because I think I see this. I see a lot of creators and a lot of people in general. I don't think it just has to be creators. You know, if you're wanting to get anything from a major company, whether it's stuff for prizes for your tournament, for a charity thing you have coming up. Or if you are a creator and want to get sponsors, I don't think people know the best time to ask a lot of companies tends to be between November and January. And it's a little bit counterintuitive because I think we think, okay, end of the year, nobody wants to do any business, whatever. But the reality is that's when they're resetting their budgets, right? They're starting to allocate what they're going to be spending next year. Or in January, they have at least a surplus in their budget until they figure out where they're going to spend it. Those are the time. Now, don't get me wrong. There's many times you can reach out to people middle of the year or whatever, and there will still be some money there. Or if the opportunity is good enough, they'll find a way to make it work. But people tend to be a little more open and interested to have those conversations when they know they have budget money to spend. Right? It's easier to just go, ah, sorry, we don't have budget right now and turn somebody away. But when you have it, you start to entertain those ideas a little bit more. So I've been telling people, man, like 
now is the time to reach out or at least get into their inbox before they leave for the holidays. So when they come back, you're already there and that conversation's already started when they're thinking about new promotions, new efforts, new outreach, whatever. That's the way you get in with those people. Maybe you do a follow-up, you know, say March, April, if you don't hear from them, but at least make that initial connection. Reach out to them on social media, whatever it is. Like, just get the conversation started when you know they have more budget available. And the same thing applies to media coverage. If you're pitching a product, if you're pitching a story, especially if it's a feel-good story, the holidays are the time you want to do that. Because especially, like, at, you know, at a traditional print or TV media, but before you go on Thanksgiving vacation, you are trying to get whatever your Thanksgiving story is turned in. And that's not what you do the long 10-page but This is what you do a feel-good story. You can crank out, turn it in, get out the door. And my favorite example of this is uh, another reporter shared with me. He was sitting there thank- about to be Thanksgiving Eve. He had nothing. And a farmer called him and said, you know, I was going to kill this turkey, but I couldn't bring myself to do it because he looks too much like Elvis. Excuse me? I got a turkey that looks like Elvis. And he's like looking at his boss like, I'm not going out there. Boss like, oh, yes, you are going out there because mm-hmm. we don't have anything. So he goes out here. He, he's looking at the farmer, looking at the turkey like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, I got a camera. I, I want help me help you. I want to see it, but I'm just not seeing it. So he takes the, what's the, the waddle? I think it's the thing under the turkey's neck. He throws yeah. the waddle over the turkey's head, trying to make a pompadour. And it, no, it just says, so, you know, the reporter's about to cry because at this point, he doesn't have enough time to come with another Thanksgiving story. So he, he's wasting his time. So he, he's packing up the camera. And then he's like, well, you can't leave before you hear him sing. Wait, the turkey sings? Of course Elvis sings. Unpack the camera. Unpack the camera. So the farmer grabs the turkey. He's like, one vote of money. Two, come on, Two for the show. Come on, They're going to get ready. And the farmer and his turkey. People call this reporter from like all over the globe, like bro, are you the you the turkey you, you the Elvis turkey reporter? Today I am, because <laughs> that story went everywhere. Yep, yep, I, I, yeah. It's stuff like that. I also tell people too, if there's something you can relate to an event that's going on that's very niche, that helps too. Because they even when I had my store, like anytime they were doing like a new Lord of the Rings thing or a new yep. Star Wars thing, like if I had anything related, I was doing with the movie theater or anything. I made sure, and I had contacts. I knew all the people at the local TV stations or wherever. I just sent them a text or an email like, hey, we're going to be doing this thing if you need something to cover. Or, hey, there's going to be this big event in town, and we're going to have a tournament related to this game or whatever, and we'll have some local fans or an artist here or whatever. And they come out and do a story. You know, like, it got to the point that it's so often, you know, they do the thing where they give the mic and like, okay, we need you to spell your name out so we can make sure. It's like, oh, yeah, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I've done this before. Especially when your name's Daquan, like you could use to spell that and pronouncing it for people real fast. So yeah, definitely one of those things. Like use. I can tell people, you know, Brian with an I, because that's always for I or Y. No, use this time. It's the opportunity for getting the outreach, getting your efforts in, and setting yourself up for a good 2024. Seriously. But let's get into our topics because these are a little deep this week. So you may have heard of Lotus Con. Uh, they ran a big event, I guess, back in the beginning of November, maybe September. I don't know. It's been a while. I've slept since then. No, it was October <laughs> is when that happened, actually. And 
things started to come out right after the event. Now, I, to be fair, the owner of Mark Anthony is accused of a lot of things. So I am going to say allegedly because, you know, court of public opinion, innocent, mm-hmm. proven guilty, all yeah. that good stuff. That's a good journalistic practice, say allegedly, till charges have been <laughs> put on But I lock. will also say this, I kind of picked up on this in the beginning of November when stories started coming out and then there started being posts around November 5th. And I've been following it since. And I have yet to see anything that would counter any of these allegations. Yeah, so, as I often say, like, if one or two people accuse you of stealing or really whatever crime, okay, we we can, you know, we're, we're still investigating. If many people say you did something, well, <laughs> probably. There's a couple of issues at hand. One being judges apparently did not get paid or some of them did not get paid or get paid the full amount they told they were going to get for the event. Supposedly there ended up being a whole story. They were told that some of the play mats they had printed were supposed to be sold and the judges were going to be paid from that money, but something happened with the play mats. So like, I don't Man. know the official details, but the dog ate my homework. <laughs> yeah. But you should be hiring people. You don't have money to pay them or at least yes. let them know up front that the money's going to be later, whatever. Like don't give them the because, money. because gaming community, a lot of people will still work with you. It's a, oh, sure. a, a sure. good community. The other thing, which apparently was going on well before Lotus con for depending on the artist and the story you listen to could be up to a year and a half prior he apparently had been working with artists to do altars of cards and was trying to start a business or network of selling altars through auctions and different things to, I guess, try to get more money for the artist or whatever. But various stories say either altars had basically been effectively stolen because they hadn't been sent back and they hadn't been sold yet, or others had been sold and money had not been properly distributed yet. So I say we haven't seen anything to counteract these stories or counter these stories because not only have there been complaints, several of these artists, as it turns out, have been contacting each other and had a Discord chat, and they decided they were going to share receipts. Exactly. And there's a lot of them. So they were posting different conversations yep. they had with Mark Anthony. They, they're posting like their timelines of when they were told things were going to happen and didn't happen. It's a whole thing. I mean, you even if you go look at it on Twitter, it's, it's a yeah. I mean, it's a read. I will say one that. of the ways cars used to work was the reliance on the fact that you could just move from town to town across the country or you know the the state or whatever and run the same con because you could rely that somebody two hundred miles away isn't going to talk to the person you know in the other town that you can't. Social media, thankfully, is taking away con artist ability to do crap like that because you can reach somebody else on the other side of the globe instantly. You can open a discord and everybody can share their risk. That's how most business is done through email now. So that makes it really easy to say, Hey, that they quoted me this thing, what they tell you and people compare. But I will also say a good con artist is going to go one person at a time. Right. Whereas he ran an event yeah, that was high profile, and that's what brought the spotlight. And it, it, the people have tried to make it right. There was a, I believe, a charity stream. I guess you want to call it that. Uh, last weekend, where they were raising the money to 
one, try to make the judges whole for what they were owed for the ones that didn't get paid. And then I believe the person running the stream had somehow, I guess, gotten a hold of Lotus Con or Mark Anthony and acquired the unsold altars and is using some of the money to get all the altars back to the proper artist. Now, the money that the artist was owed, those are varying amounts or whatever. So I don't think they could resolve that or help fix that. No. But they're at least getting all the proper artwork back to the artist. And hopefully the judge is paid. And then whatever's left is just Lotus Con and Mark Anthony having to resolve whatever payment to the to the artist. No. Now, I will say this. You may have seen my content and seen that I promoted their event for Lotus Con. And that was due to us coming into an agreement that they would help me edit a couple of things with their team of editors they had. In exchange, I would do a couple of promo pieces for them. And I did that up until about two to three weeks prior to the event. And that's because I had, I believe it was at MagicCon Vegas. Like, Mark Anthony had come up, said, hey, you know, whatever. And I will say this. He hasn't ever treated me directly wrong. And the little interactions and agreements we had, those were kept. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> However... You know what I do. I haven't been a pretty good judge of people. And my spidey senses were going off for some reason. I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> so wild. But you, you, it's happened sometimes, right? Yeah, you got to trust them when, when that, people, you know. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird, right? And no. I'm kind of like, what's that about? And I just kind of sat on it for a little bit, coming back home. And I'm like, because, you know, when it bothers you, you don't have a reason. Right. You know, it was kind of just sitting with me for a little bit. So when I got home, I just kind of made the decision of, I'm just not going to do any more promo work for them. You know, and in exchange, they're not doing any more editing for me, and that's good. Like, we'll just call it good. I've done my part. They've done their part. We're not going to push this any further. Didn't know this is what was going on by any stretch of the imagination. Didn't have any idea the event was going to be that much of a wreck behind the scenes. No. Just somehow dodged a bullet, I guess. Yeah. No. You know, like, that's all I can say. I just trusted instinct, got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I've had times where I've written about things, you know, and and then it turns out to be a disaster. And obviously, I had really no way to know beforehand. I'm trusted and trusted. Because, you know, until somebody has lied to you and you can catch them lying to you as a reporter, I'm going to assume you're telling me the truth, you know, unless this is a crime story. Obviously, if you're a serial killer, I know you're just trouble. But if I'm yeah. just doing a story about, like you said, a, a, a comic convention or something, I'm going to operate under the assumption that you are not trying to put one over on me until I see or, or hear something otherwise. And that was my problem, because I literally was like, I don't have a reason to distrust him, at, at least at that point. But just something, like I said, just didn't. And it wasn't even like a long interaction we had. That's what made it even stranger for me. We, it was maybe like a minute or two. So it was just like, uh, I don't know. But I guess I was also distracted. And I'm trying to get back to dealing with attendees that wanted to talk. And so it was just like, I don't know. I was like, maybe it's just a weird feeling. Maybe it's nothing. But I just didn't trust it. And sure enough, this this is what came from it. So. Yeah, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't I don't even know if I assume Lotus Con probably not going to happen next year. That <laughs> right. probably is a pretty safe assumption. You know, not without like everything being paid up front or taken care of and acknowledged. Yeah, or I guess they'll have, they'll have to have, if they do it, they'll have to announce with it, hey, it is under a completely new management or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Because I can't imagine 
it goes any other way. I mean, I've, I've run a couple of conventions all myself and everything I had was covered, paid, whatever up front, you know, and yeah. then we made That's our own money on it. the event. Yeah. yeah it's just... Everything was covered. If, you know, guests we were bringing in, we're taken care of judges, events we had handled. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like all things. A lot of people think doing it and running events is easy, but if they were, why wouldn't more people be doing it? Right. You know, that's always what I ask people. If you look at something and think it's way easier than it looks, why do you think more people aren't doing it if it's that profitable? Because yeah. everybody wants easy money. Yeah. <laughs> like, why isn't everybody doing it? That was why that show Pros versus Joes was so great. They would take this guy like, yeah, I could I kick a 50-yard field goal. No, you can't. Nah. <laughs> you know, you can't. <laughs> Let's lighten up a little bit and bring it to a more positive topic here. Murders at Karlov Manor. We got to see our first... <laughs> the, the more positive topic. Murder! <laughs> exactly. So you see what I was doing there. That wasn't an accident. But yeah. Murders at Karlov Manor. We got to see our first look at that, the next Magic set, on Tuesday on the uh, weekly Magic stream, whatever they call that. And it's kind of cool, man. Like, it's a whole set where it looks like the art direction was just put a bunch of Easter eggs in. Yeah. Now, some of those Easter eggs will be relevant to the story. Others are just going to be Easter eggs for the sake of being Easter eggs. Because I, I think bet there's some card that looks like Jessica Fletcher and, you know, Murder, Sea, whatever, you know, however they can say that without saying Murder, Sea, Road. Murder, Sea, Scribbled, Scribbling, Scribbling. Yeah, right, something like, like that. Documenting the murder. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I think the idea is they want you to try to work on solving, you know, the in-story murder, but also just have you have fun looking through all this stuff. Like, even the expansion symbol, if you look at it, it's like a sword, but if you look at right around the hilt, it's a broken, uh, the second set of Ravnica. Return to Ravnica? I think it has their expansion symbol there, like, in the actual hilt, and then the okay. expansion set of guilds are the, like, wings off of the hilt, which is pretty cool. Nice. So, like, even that level of, like, detail that they put into yeah. it. I'm like Man, that's kind of cool uh there's one that's basically like the meddling kids which is a throwback to yeah. uh scooby-doo where they're like pulling a mask off of something let's you see know, who you really are yeah there's like the little stuff in the background you can see where people are trying to like guess if it's important or not and we haven't seen enough of the set to even put enough of the story together Right now, it's all speculation and people just trying to figure out from the few characters or cards we've seen. But it's pretty cool, though. I mean, it's a neat idea because we've not done anything like this in a magic set ever. I mean, this is so uniquely different because usually the story is just like superheroes fighting supervillains. They just have magic powers or whatever. Right. Yeah. But this time it's more like something happened to a character and all the other characters are trying to figure out who and or what it was, which leads us to the board game clue because something happened and you got to figure out who it was and how they did yep. it. We're doing a tie in with the next magic set with the clue board game, which is a little weird, but honestly it's the only place you're ever going to be able to do this. It doesn't make sense anywhere else. So apparently we're going to get some inserts. And so I think a secret layer or whatever that it related to the board game clue. Okay. So all, all of those characters and you know, the lead pipe and yeah. you know, whatever those are all magic cards. Now 
Like you can play nice. Colonel Mustard. <laughs> like, right. like that's a thing if you want to do it. So on the surface, it's like this is a little weird, but it's also one of the few board games where you have named characters, first off. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? It's a board game property. But this is the only time we'll ever have where you can do the murder mystery thing and have it make sense. So this is actually a cool. Well, no, when did when did investigate first show up as a mechanic? That would have been, I guess, the the other time when you would have been able to do it. Yeah, but I don't, and I don't remember what set it was. But it was the original Innistrad. But the problem was okay. they were still in that that era of Magic where they weren't willing to do crossovers. Oh, okay. So we weren't in the like universes beyond whatever world of Magic yet. So, but now that we open that door this actually makes sense. And I think this, when people ask like, well, what could you cross over with magic? Well, a lot of stuff, you know, it's just, does it make sense within the context of the set? Yeah. Like you can't just throw it like, are we going to do a hungry, hungry hippos crossover? Probably not. But clue makes sense in this regard. So it's kind of cool. I, I hope they keep looking for promotions like, because, you know, like when we did Godzilla, it sort of made sense. in Ikoria yeah. with all the big monsters and the mutations and like, all right, cool. And I hear the new movie is incredible, so that's when I want to see that. I I just saw that that was in theaters locally, so I'm I'm considering that. But yeah, I thought it was neat. So I'm I'm hoping the excitement stays good going into next year, and we'll see where it goes. We haven't seen that many cards. I think we saw like 15-ish, 15 or 20. So it's a pretty small number, and most of them are commons and uncommons, except for like a couple, maybe a handful of rares and mythics. So we don't really know what everything's going to look like. I don't think we've really revealed a lot of mechanics or anything yet. So lots to talk about as we come out of the Christmas break. But I imagine we're going to hit January hard when we come back, leading into the February release. But let's also talk about something else, because we have new boosters for this set, finally. So yeah, Anybody who listens or follows Magic knows that we got rid of set boosters, we got rid of draft boosters, and now we just have the play boosters. And Murder at Markov Manor is the first time we're going to have play boosters available. Now, there was a small panic on the internet because some of the first boxes came available on Amazon, and they were $200 for people who want them for a 36-count booster box. Now, while that is high, there is an argument to be made that that does kind of scale with inflation over the last four or five years, but... We've also seen boxes start out really high on Amazon when they first appear and then scale back down as more boxes get put up or the retailers that know what their quantities are start putting some up for sale online after they know their local stores are taken care of or whatever. So while we did see a $200 mark here, like if you do $5 times 36 boosters, that's $180, which seems more of a realistic price. And I don't know what the retailers are going to pay for their boxes, but let's say they're paying 120 for their box, maybe even as high as 130. I imagine there's going to be some that are going to try to sell them for like 160, 150, depending on what they pay for them. So I would be looking for something in the 160 to 180 range, probably in a couple of weeks, once people start getting their numbers and know what they're going to have for sale or, or after the holiday break. Wouldn't recommend anybody just jump in and buy them at $200. I think if you wait, that price is definitely going to come down. I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Maybe even yeah. disappointed, to be honest. And some but, people just like having the new thing first. And if they're willing to pay 30 or 40 extra dollars over, that's, you know, that's how the market works. Well, this is also how they get you, right? They can take money up front for the pre-order. And then 
if the prices do come down, it's going to be more than 30 days later. Because the set still doesn't come out till February, right? You're just putting yeah. in a pre-order buy. But you can, for a lot of cards and companies, you can only contest the purchase for the first 30 days. So once 30 days is gone, you can't be like, hey, I want to get my money back because the boxes are cheaper. And then, well, they've already got the $200 price when they're going to be selling the rest at 170 or whatever, right? So I've seen that on a couple of things. Too. They don't just like at some point sell completely out of the stuff. Yeah, also true. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I would expect that to come lower. So anybody who's chasing that, like, you can definitely wait. Because even if they go up higher, I don't think they will. But even if they did, I couldn't imagine it'd be more another 10 or 20 bucks. So it's not like you're going to lose out on a bunch by not paying 200 if they even go up. But I would expect them to come down. I know some people feel differently about it, but yeah. we'll see. I think you'll be able to find deals better than $200. I wouldn't buy those at that price. But, again, knee-jerk reaction. We've seen it before. We've seen it with high price singles, high price boosters. Just the first ones on the market are kind of being the baseline trendsetter and people maximizing their money because they're the only ones posted. Give it time, they balance out. Don't panic. But let's talk about Twitch because they made a decision and we'll just decide if it's good or bad. So Twitch announced earlier that they're going to discontinue doing business in Korea in, on February 27th of next year. And people were kind of up in arms about this. I think it kind of, Twitter sometimes gets caught up in the like, oh, Amazon's worth, you know, whatever it is, like $12 billion or, I don't know, $120 billion probably, whatever the number yeah. is. So how can they not afford to just keep paying to do this or whatever? But what a lot of people don't know, and they did talk about this in their announcement, that over the last... They didn't say a time frame, but I've known for this to be a thing for about five-ish years. So it's probably been longer than that. But they've been doing a lot of things within the Korean market to try to make the process more affordable. You know, they've tried figuring out the transcoding and seeing if they can move it more direct to peer. They have tried making it a 720p max stream. So the broadband width is, is less. They have tried, you know, a variety of things, as they've noted. And they just said that even after doing all that, it's still not affordable. And part of that, which people don't know, is they had their version of the whole net neutrality thing in Korea, which basically makes it more expensive for people outside of the country to use the country's infrastructure for internet and technology. So for them to keep supporting them, they're paying a higher price than most other countries. They even said, hey, we want all of our customers and users around the world to know that this is an isolated incident for Korea. It's just more expensive than it is everywhere else for us to run stuff. And the Korean market, now I will say, to be fair, the early Korean market with StarCraft II made a lot of Twitch. Yeah. I mean, let, let's give credit where it's due. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the early market, you know, we're talking 13, 15 years ago, like, they they help Twitch make the come up. Yeah. But that was also before a lot of things changed politically and whatever. And, you know, other markets grew. And and it's tough, right? Because we talked about this with Magic a while back when Wizards announced they were going to discontinue making some different languages. And people are like, ah, how are you just going to abandon a whole market? Whatever. But at the end of the day, if the market's just not that big, like, sure, you can run it at a loss. But... 
how long do we want somebody to run at a loss and call that reasonable? Right. It, it, and it even sounds like in Twitch's case, not only were they running at a loss, they were spending money to try to solve the problems. Yeah. And in the case of Twitch, if we're to believe Amazon, Twitch is losing money as a whole. So at some point, you got to start plugging all the leaks as, as best you can to eventually, hopefully one day make the company or this part of the company profitable. And, and that's exactly a good point. Right. Like, is it possible that Korea is one of those big holes, right? Let's say they're running out of, I don't know, let's say 10% deficit. Does Korea by itself make up two or 3% of that deficit? It's possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like saying, Hey, we just cut this off, whatever. And we save all that money. Cause again, it's not well, just I mean, when you're looking at a budget, it's like everywhere you're losing money. First thing is like, okay, let's figure out <laughs> what we can do without. And at, at this point, they decided Korea is a market that they can do without. Yeah, but it, but it's not just the operation, right? It's also you got to have people that speak Korean on hand, right? right. Or translators for things, you know, th that type of stuff, or even people to manage that, or to be your handlers for the the partners there, or whatever. So there's other money involved for a market that's not that big for you on the whole, right? That you're losing money on, and and I've said this before with Magic. Right? Like when people are like, oh, well, why is Wizards not want to do as many Russian cards or Korean things or whatever? And they're, you know, when Wizards has to make a decision, they're like, okay, for sure, we're going to do it in English and we're going to do it in Japanese and we'll figure out the other four or five languages we want to do for these special sets. Because it's not worth it to do something like Korean for one of these special limited sets because you would print, you'd have to spend so much time with all the translations and cultural stuff because you have consultants because you know in some countries certain types of artwork can't be shown or whatever right you got to do all that for a thing you're only going to sell that'll make up you know less than one percent in some cases of your total income off that project so like why are you going to spend that amount of money on it like even when i was at wizards anytime we had to print promos or whatever like the numbers i was making in russian korean were super small but you still had to make them, right? So you had to make yeah. time on the printers. You had to set them up on the sheets and whatever. And that's just hard to tell people. Like, there's a reason that for so long, Russian and Korean cards were worth more than others because they were just more rare. It wasn't that more people wanted the Korean cards and more people wanted the Russian cards because they spoke those or whatever. It's just literally they were more rare. So people who wanted foreign cards wanted those. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing, man. I, I will give credit to Twitch, though. It sounds like they at least tried to work through the problem for several years. They also said, hey, we're going to do what we can now. Whether they follow through or not, we'll see. But they did say they're going to try to help the Korean streamers find a home on other platforms, even if it just happens to not be anywhere on Twitch. Right? And they also were giving them 90 days. Like, they have between now and February 27th. So you've got basically three full months. And there were still people saying, oh, well, they didn't give them any time. I'm like, dude, hey, a lot of times you're lucky to get 30 to 60 days yeah. when, when people make announcements. 90 days practically is great. <laughs> like now, don't get me wrong, still hard if you're a streamer and you rely yeah. on that because you're going to lose probably at least a third, if not half your audience when you move to another platform or whatever. And that's going to suck. But I mean, they at least sound like they're doing what they can. It's just unfortunate. I don't I don't. These are those tough business decisions that I can't fault the business, but it also sucks for the people on the other side. And no one's really yeah. at fault. It's just, 
the, the way the situation falls, unfortunately. I think that maybe the Korean government <laughs> might be. Yeah, maybe, you know, but they're not even involved in the transaction, yeah. sadly. You know, they're just the ones who and I'm sure somebody tried to explain to them that, like, well, like in America, we're talking about net neutrality and trying to, God, as you've seen footage of trying to explain technology to our politicians, it just, it can be disastrous. Yeah. I'm gonna hope Korea's situation is better, but then I guess maybe not. If if their version of net neutrality is causing a situation like this, maybe it wasn't explained to them, or maybe they just it was explained to them and, I, and they don't, didn't care. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they may just want to keep the money in house or whatever, and it's, it is what it is. But yeah, maybe it's gonna start its own Twitch, and the only way to get anybody on it was to kick actual Twitch out out of town. I mean, they did that in in China, whatever yeah. that other social media platform they've got over there. So, like, it's, I mean, maybe I don't. Know. It could, yeah. But that's a tough one, man. It's tough because, again, you rarely want to side with the the multi hundred million dollar company or whatever, or billion dollar conglomerate in the case of of Amazon. Yeah, especially but, when it's Twitch because they have you know stepped in it on numerous occasions. Yep, but this is one where. You know, again, credit to their new CEO or whatever, but he came out, gave the explanation, said, hey, here's everything we've been trying. Here's what we're going to try to do to make it right. Here's the timeline we're giving everybody. So, you know what? Gave the explanation, said, hey, here's what we did try to fix it. Didn't work. Here's how we're going to resolve it. That's about good enough for transparency, considering we were getting nothing before from Twitch. We kind of got, hey, here's how we got here. Here's what we're doing to try to fix it. I can respect that. But let's talk about Lorcana because you've got some interesting news on this one. Yeah, Dicebreaker held its uh, annual Tabletop Awards at PAX Unplugged, and they crowned uh, Lorcana the the, uh, best ongoing game. So I guess a game of the year or what have you. So considering... All or I think the, the official title's best ongoing card game, and that was for Lorcana, the first chapter. They said it was basically, you know, a start, even past because that was a Disney card game. We kind of thought, you know, unless they screw this up really badly, it's going to go. And they confirmed, yeah. at least from again a gameplay and a mechanical standpoint, yes, this this stands with the greats in the industry. So there you. There you have that. It is, you know, the, the, the dream of, I guess, as we jokingly called it, Mickey the Gathering is starting to come, tr- come true bit by bit. Yeah, it's like we said. I mean, as long as the game wasn't trash, you were going to be able to sell it, you know. And you worked with a company that's done some gaming with you before, yeah. people that understood the relationship between each other business-wise. And has done, you know, just really a lot of incredible products. It's very rare you hear yeah. of a game from Ravensburger and it's like, oh, that was that was bad. I didn't like that one. It just... Yeah, and that was the thing from the beginning. I think we all accepted, like, without some major train wreck happening along the way, yeah. this was going to be a solid product. Yeah, like I said, from the beginning, the, only, the major issue they just have now is just availability. You know, and these last two months have been a series of unfortunate, I, I don't know, maybe they're just a series of events at this point. I don't know because they keep yeah. happening, but that's the tough part. It's just yeah. like we got to get enough product in people's hands so mm-hmm. people can play. And I mean, uh, Polygon has kind of done further reporting on that, and it turns out apparently it's not even Disney or Ravensburger's fault. Some of this stuff is just unpreventable. Supply side crises and 
crappy economies are a thing right now. I don't want to jump into the politics, but yeah, a lot of places where these cards are made, economic stuff is not going the way you would like it to be going. <laughs> so and, sure. And but this comes back to, you know, all the way back to Gamma, the Gamma Trade Show before they launched. Several retailers were like, hey, y'all need to get on this ahead of time. Even people from other game companies that were fans were talking to them. Yeah. And like, hey, y'all should probably be doing X, Y, and Z. Like knowing these were going to be problems, right? Like people don't realize, like we've talked about this before. The fact that Wizards of the Coast has had a couple of individual products, you know, deliver late in the last couple of years, but sets have dropped pretty much on time for damn near 30 years, which is yeah. unreal, right? Like, I mean, we have video games that get pushed back 10 years, you know, like, and they're right. delivering four or five sets plus a year on time, right? But that only happens because, well, one, they own some presses, but they're also yeah. working with worldwide presses in different countries or whatever to make sure they can print enough in mass and navigate all the infrastructure to get the stuff delivered in time. Like it's a whole lot. There's a whole team just for that. Right. And I don't think people really understand that when they're talking about paper games, like there's yeah. a lot involved, like the, the wizards, the Pokemon, you know, whatever Konami's of the world, they've been dealing with this for 25, 30 years. Like they've yeah. had time. Like there's a reason every time a new player gets into the thing, they have all these major bumps in the road because they're right. thinking they can do it different or they could be more efficient. And it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> right? There's a reason everybody does it this way. They've already figured it out. I, I don't think I've ever said this on the show, but when I was at Wizards, one of the problems was even getting stuff through customs into some countries because right. stuff was stuck there, right? So to even get the stuff into South America, I don't think I can get into details, but I will say that there were some trickery things you had to do to try to get stuff there on time so it could try to clear by the time everything else is delivered and even with those extra steps sometimes it's just customs was slow yeah right? there's nothing you could do about it right some people were complaining because customs would open boxes just to verify what was in the packages and then they would complain send us emails but like well you know we have stores complaining that their product wasn't sealed or whatever i was like i what can i do i can't tell you government but stuff like that happens, right? And I think those are all things you have to learn as a company. And it's just unfortunate, maybe not so much for Disney, but for Ravensburger. Yeah. Right? You know, because Disney's, they're going to make their billions or whatever one way or the right. other. You know, for Ravensburger, I imagine this is a lot more stress and pressure because their team's not as big. You know, this is by far the biggest product they've ever had to deal with logistically, which means they're probably, I wouldn't even be surprised they're hiring more people right now. Probably. To deal with parts of that, right? The the development of the next sets, getting the things in the infrastructure, the network actually printed and shipped, and a different team to deal with like retailers, in-store play, whatever, just to make that network work going into 2024. Because right now, that's where the, the faults are. And unfortunately, we are reaching the point that some stores, even where they love the game, they're just getting harassed for never having product or, yeah. you know, not being able to own events and have prizes or this, that, and the other, that they're just giving up on it. Like just for the sanity of themselves and their staff. You know, yeah. That is unfortunate. You know, for people, like, we're quitting events and we're just going to sell product and that's yeah. it. You know? 
And for people, you know, I feel like they should like wear at the Oscars. The other nominees were Flesh and Blood, Bright Lights, uh, Magic the Gathering, specifically The Lord of the Rings. Because, yeah, that's probably, like I said, probably where Magic peaked this year. That's more confirmation that that was kind of the peak of Magic because the One Ring just was, it was everywhere for, it, it, it oh, was yeah. almost like searching for the One Ring. It was, hey, you heard anything? Found it yet? Where is that thing? And then uh, Pokemon trading card game Scarlet and Violet. So, and you know, and that probably says a lot too. That I think across the board, if you ask any retailer or whatever, they would agree that Lorcana was the hottest card game product of the year. But they made some of them made the least money out of those four items. You know, yeah. on the hottest product, right? Like because you could get, could you could easily get Flesh and Blood yeah. Magic Pokemon, oh, and like you said, it's largely because. They've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> well, dude, people I know that even with websites, if they're still selling Lord of the Rings magic stuff, like that's still selling yeah. because they can it, get it. It is the perfect marriage. You know, people, yeah. if, if you hate universes beyond, a lot of people hate it because it's Walking Dead and magic. It doesn't go together, you know, like it, it's, it's not peanut butter and chocolate or uh, Lord of the Rings or magic and Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor Who is not even fantasy. It's sci-fi. Magic and Lord of the Rings, perfect marriage. All the creature types that you have in Lord of the Rings already exist in Magic. And there are traditional creature types like orcs, goblins, elves. It was a perfect marriage. So, of course, the product was really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I just feel bad, like I said, for Ravensburger, because this is the type of product as a company you hope to get. Yeah. Right? Like, like you get a big license with a big company, it has a built-in fan base. Like we just have to not make a crap product, right? Yeah. That's it. That's the goal. And then you did it right, and you can't even capitalize on it, right? Like, and like I said, I don't think anybody would argue hottest card game product of the year for sure. But nobody can make money on it because they just don't have any. Like, and that's awful. It but just, I don't say nobody. The people that are able to get it can make oh, yeah, stupid yeah, yeah, yeah. amounts of money. Yeah, some people, yeah, but not not to the extent of those other three products. Sadly, like they're just none to be had. So I hope I really do hope for them that they get it worked out. Because again, I I'm a big believer that competition can be good for everybody, even if honestly, even long term for the sake of magic or whatever, something like Lorcan existing just for a younger audience or whatever, and yeah. being a draw brings people into the stores, into the communities. Like, even if they keep playing Lorcana, they'll probably pick up Pokemon or Magic or whatever along the way and just play a second game. I mean, but, that's how I got into it because every other card game I picked up eventually went dead after three years. Like, well, let me go ahead and see what's up with these Planeswalkers. Yeah, so you want that, right? We, we are all benefited by their... Hell, local game stores will make more money, right? Like... Yeah. So many things benefit by them being good. So when I'm on here, I'm not like poo-pooing them because I'm like, ah, see, like, no, I'm actually frustrated and sad for them because I'm like, I want it to be better. Like, so I'm hoping they can figure it out because from what I've seen and a little bit I've interacted with, all the people at Ravensburger have been great and they seem yeah. like they really are trying. It's just tough, man. It's tough. So I, I hope, I hope for them really and for the longevity of the game that 2024 is better than 2023 was for them. But let's wrap things up with the dinner table and a, and a fun conversation. You know, as we were just talking about Lord of the Rings. What, I guess I'll ask you first, like what type of, it could be an item, 
or company, would you like to see Wizards of the Coast cross-promote with Magic the Gathering? Like, where should we put those characters, those exp- uh, mana symbols, whatever? What type of product? Yeah. Yeah, just like two or three that you you would like to see. And I think uh, the, kind of the last time we discussed this, first answer came to mind was uh, Conan. It's another perfect marriage because it's swords, sorcery, and, and fantasy themed. You like nobody can say it's not a fit because it's the same kind of universe. Wizards or Dungeons and Dragons. Wizards. Or, this is Conan. Is that you know? By the everything way, everything fits perfectly. Know. Brian's not talking about food. He's just from Louisiana. When he says sorcery, that's, that's just that's just how they speak down there. Y'all, y'all got to cut him some slack. Like, I know somebody's going to somebody's going to comment on that because I'm from North Louisiana, so I basically sound like I'm from Texas. North Louisiana exactly. and Texas are pretty much the same accent. I'm just saying somebody's going to comment on that, and it's just like no, I we I know what he's saying. I I I speak Southern. It's cool. <laughs> But no, I think how do you say point. sorcery? <laughs> I, just, I just say sorcery. I don't know, but like, isn't that what I just said? <laughs> you said I feel like it's exactly what I just said. Maybe, maybe I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Exactly, exactly. No, Conan's a good one. That is a good one. Honestly, I didn't even think about that. I, I like that. That's a good one. And I bet I, at this point, you know, you could probably get Arnold Schwarzenegger art for a secret lair of some kind. Probably. That would be pretty sweet. And even if you couldn't, they're, they've got Jason Momoa Conan now. So you, if you can't get Arnold's license, you can probably get Jason Momoa. You know what, Jason Momoa for- also, if you get Conan, you probably, by proxy, get Red Sonia. Right. That's kind of cool, too. Yep. I, actually, you know what, one? I just thought about this, because you said Conan. Willow. Yeah. We could have done that a while fit. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, and since man. we're we got Marvel, so apparently we know them and Disney are at least on speaking terms. Yeah, so. that would have been a cool. I, like, man, I could have a Mad Mardigan. Right? <laughs> like that'd be cool. I'm down. I don't know. Like, I I was about to say it might be too old, but I know they're about to do a Princess Bride thing too. So exactly. So I mean, I guess that would qualify. I mean, yeah, we could do that. I I still want to see just more. What's the best way to Just more household products with magic stuff. I, I've said it before. Like, yeah. the fact that I can't get a four-foot area rug, or maybe in a three-foot area rug or whatever, with just a big D20 or a mana symbol or whatever, just seems kind of crazy to me. As big as you might have to do like uh, Brooke Hart Joe and start it yourself. Yep, I might like, just have to go to Wizards and say, like, hey, let's, let's get a or time, We've called for this. Like, I would, do, if I had Conan's license, I'd be knocking at the door, but I don't. So, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I mean, you, there's so many things. There's, we could do etched glassware, you know, yeah. you could do ornaments for Christmas. You could have done a set of them with different planeswalkers on them and mana symbols you could put on a tree. That would have been cool. Like, there's a bunch of things we could just do that I think people would want to have as fans of the game. Absolutely. Even, even for people that don't get to play a lot, they still like to engage with it. They'll still watch streams. Yeah. They'll still keep up with the story. Those are the people that would buy those things if you give them something they already use that you can just slap the Magic logos on, right? I've talked before about we almost did the air fresheners at one point, yeah. right? Like, that would be cool. Hell, you can give me I, hubcaps I can put on my car, you know? <laughs> 
Oh. Give, me, give me some some uh, lug nuts that are the five mana symbols because I have five on my car. Like that'd be sweet. I would. I feel, that. like that's the, I feel like that's the complete opposite of like the, the people who are tricking their rims out are probably not <laughs> the target audience for. Oh no, of course not. Of course not. But, I, but I'm just saying, there's a bunch of things, and I don't think we've really even touched on it, right? Because I and I, I may have mentioned this to you. I don't remember if I've talked about it on the show, but when I was there, yearly we would get these magazines or or compilations of all the different places that like Hasbro iconography or cross promoted items appeared, right? And there would be stuff like people have the Monopoly piece earrings and yeah. these crazy cool dresses with like Optimus Prime on them. And, you know, G.I. Joe crazy mask and stuff for Halloween and all this. And I'm like, why didn't we get any of this for magic? Like, we could have this and people would buy it. But for the longest time, I think we were in a space of like, if it wasn't making mana and casting spells, magic didn't do that. You know, that was just kind of the thing. We now don't we, do that here. <laughs> exactly. But now we've opened it up to where we've got, you know, the D&D Betrayal game. You know, we have some different mobile games that aren't just casting magic spells. You know, we're we're now doing cross-promotion with other products. We've got some different statues being made. So it's like, okay, now we're kind of opening that door a little bit more. So I'm hoping over the next few years we get to see some of those products. I think there could be quite a lot that we could get. That would be kind of cool. To, hell, we don't have, you know... Stuff like wallets and whatever, like you know, things you see literally every other brand, every sports team, every whatever makes all these things. We don't have any of them with magic stuff on it, and that's kind of crazy when you think about it because magic players are the demographic that spins, you know, they're in perfect that careful. It starts to sound like it starts to sound like what Overwatch is thinking. I'm we're we're going to have Dallas Fuel jerseys. People will pay a lot for them. No, apparently. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to do that. But, like, you're talking 25 to 35 years old is the sweet spot for a lot of advertising promotion buyers. And that's where the Magic players are. So, let's make it happen. But anyway, Brian, what's your where they can find you on social media? All right. I am uh, Brian Sonic on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me everywhere, Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And if you don't listen to any other episodes, happy holidays to you. Have a good time. But wherever you are watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome. And most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. <laughs>